0: Welcome back to Betting the Buckeyes on Buckeye Talk. It's your Wednesday edition of Buckeye Talk. It's Doug Lemmeries and Tyler Shoemaker. Normally we do this on Fridays, but guess what? Like it's bowl season, right? So we're squeezing stuff in. We are planning T-Shoe, an exciting bowl preview, a comprehensive bowl preview that will come to the people next week where we will really, I, I'm going to really look forward to that to get a chance to dig in on the bowls that you really like, right? And if people are, okay, I don't know if I want to bet every bowl, there might be a confidence pool kind of thing, right? People do that with the bowls. I'm going to put 32 points on this and one point on this and everything in between. You could give advice for that. That will be a week from now. Will that be a a huge, like monstrous undertaking for you, or will that be very similar to what you do in a typical weekend when you're analyzing a bunch of games. Cause I know there's some factors that come into it with opt outs and motivation and stuff like that. What will prepping a bowl podcast a week from now be like for you?
1: Yeah, it'll be pretty much the same. I mean, I, I, as of Sunday, I had all my bowl projections already, already done. Uh, but like you said, it, it will be just a matter of keeping up with the lines because you know, the lines will have been out for two weeks by the time the first bowl games play, which is obviously different than how the season works. So keeping up with the line movements, keeping up with the opt-outs and and now the transfer portal is open. So as far as that goes, it's a little bit more, but as far as the numbers go,
0: um, it's, it's pretty much business as usual for me. So do you, just to give people a tease, do you already have a sense of a couple bowls that you really like that you're like, Oh man, like, have you hit some already? Have you hit some early lines with some of your bets? I haven't because I mean,
1: we saw like, like last year, the Michigan state pit, uh, what was that the peach bowl or something last year where, yeah. Uh Gosh, uh, his name escapes me. The the pit quarterback, Kenneth Walker, K- yeah, and so Kenny Pickett, yeah, Kenny Pickett, yeah, Kenny Pickett and Kenneth Walker both sat out. So like with bowl season, I try. I generally don't bet early. Like I'll probably bet day of, which I generally don't encourage you to do during the regular season. But because of just kind of the craziness of of opt outs and things like that, um, making sure you have all the information up up to the time of the game probably is is the best way to go.
0: Okay, so that will be a week from now. What we're going to do on this podcast, we're going to talk about the betting lines for... Ohio State, Georgia, and TCU, Michigan. We're going to talk about overall national championship odds for the four teams in the playoff and what we think of those. Then we're going to dig into some other numbers, T-Shoes numbers inside the numbers, offense, defense, what he thinks about Georgia, what he thinks about Ohio State, what his numbers are telling him. And I looked up some basic numbers just to get a little bit of a comparison of Ohio State and Georgia from from a numerical standpoint against each other and a little bit of comparing Ohio State and Georgia to last year, when we thought we maybe were going to get this Ohio State-Georgia game. And then in the last segment, we're going to talk about our records, our bets this season, because the regular season is over. We're now into bowl season. We'll talk about how we did. We'll talk about... And then there's a thing that I want to ask, Tyler, because we are less than a month away from gambling being legal in the state of Ohio. If you still have questions about it, you just want to double-check on things. We are trying to get people who want to do it ready at Cleveland.com. So you can go to Cleveland.com slash betting. There's opportunities there to sign up for different places if you want to maybe, you know, get an account now. Um, and there's just some explainers of how things work. If you've been listening to this pod, I think you've probably learned a lot. And maybe you decided it's not for me. Maybe you decided oh, I'll try it out a little bit. I don't know if people should ask for money in a gambling account for Christmas. I don't know if Santa does I'm not that I, have you ever asked? <laughs> I'm
1: not saying I haven't asked for a DraftKings gift card, but you know, I mean, I mean, I'm easy to please, Doug. Yeah. I'm a simple man.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just I, I think I would maybe do it in reverse. It's like I would just hand Santa like my losses for the year, and like, can you square me up on this, Santa? Like, I'm I'm down like a eighty-one dollars. Like, if you if you make this good, I don't need anything under the tree, baby. Like that's just, uh, let's start the new year fresh. So however you want to do it, you you, you could maybe think about asking that for the holidays. But let's start t with the lines for this game. And actually, let's start on TCU Michigan because guess what? People listening to this podcast do care about this. Michigan opened both numbers when I looked at VegasInsider.com. The opening line and the current line stuff didn't move. They had Michigan at as a nine and a half point favorite over TCU as the open that's still where it is now. What is your impression of that line? Nine and a half points for Michigan over TCU.
1: So I thought I thought nine and a half was correct, but when I just looked here shortly before recording this here on, on Tuesday night, I'm actually seeing some seven and a halves uh, on on this really? game. So there there's some there's some money on on TCU here driving that's that's driving that down, which which surprises me. My number on the game is ten and a half, So I was of the mind that like, okay, this was probably going to hit 10, uh, which I think it, it briefly did at, at some spots and then kind of went, went back. And like I said, now I'm seeing some seven and a half pop up. So uh, very interesting line movement there. I, I don't know what to make of that. I don't know if that's the Blake Corum surgery news or, or what that is, but I, I wouldn't buy into it. I think, I think Michigan is, is the far superior team there, but That is in line with what I've seen, especially over like the last month where my numbers have been much higher on Michigan than the odds makers and Michigan continues to cover games. So, uh, you know, this might be a game that I that I get involved in, especially, you know, like we talked about with my one of my better betting tips of the year about, you know, buying the half point. If this is at seven and a half and I can buy Michigan to seven, like I'm probably going to do that.
0: Hmm. Yeah as only a touchdown favorite that that would be a little bit tasty. I think what, what do you think is it? I mean, your numbers are your numbers. Do do you have a read on maybe why your numbers have been a little higher, a little more enthusiastic about Michigan than betting lines this year? Because obviously your numbers were right because this is an undefeated number two team that has pretty steadily controlled games for the most part. Right. Especially in the second half putting teams away. Yeah, they've they've definitely been a second half team. I think
1: if you like TCU at all in this game, I would maybe play the first half. I don't even know what the first half line is, but that that would be some place you would want to look if you're you know maybe thinking TCU can can play with them for a while. But Michigan has been so good in the second half. I mean, as as Ohio State knows. Uh, so, but again, my numbers have have been right. Michigan continues to cover these spreads. Um, like Big Ten Championship, I had them. Uh, projected uh, by 23, and they ended up winning by 21, you know, on a 16 point line. So uh, my numbers have, have seemed to be more accurate than the odds makers on, on Michigan in particular. I wonder, because I mean, I've got Michigan as like the third rated offense and the second rated defense. So, like, I don't know where the discrepancy might lie, but I mean, my numbers on both sides of the ball do just really like Michigan.
0: Yeah. I was very excited. That last Jim Harbaugh touchdown kind of like didn't have to score it but they decided to score it my my little parlay suggestion from a week ago hit and i know that because i actually bet it because i was in a state where nice. you could bet it i bet that uh michigan minus the 16 and a half and then over the total whatever it was 56 and a half maybe i thought it was yeah got it at uh plus 214 so I'm, I'm rolling it i think i bet a. I think i bet three bucks on that so that was like yeah let's do that yeah let's so, do that so you're paying let's for my tickets, is what you're saying yeah, no. I mean, I can buy you a Diet Coke at the Peach Bowl. Are you going to the Peach Bowl? I'm. I'm planning. Are you gonna planning, go? Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, okay. I, I, I Diet Cokes with, on me, baby. Yeah, I was texting with Nathan. We'll have to uh, try to carve some time out, get together. Yeah.
0: Very good. All right. So, um, so so that number you're very interested. If if that if that number continues to get pushed down, if you could get Michigan, even if you have to buy a half point as as only a one score favorite that's very uh very interesting yeah interesting. and, and I, I, do, I do Meanwhile, yeah
1: sorry I I, I just want to clarify when I say that I would want to buy the half point and I, I should have clarified this on the episode we talked about this only if you so if I'm buying from seven and a half to seven that seven and a half needs to be at minus 110 or better so that I get the seven at minus 120 or better I'm not gonna pay because the the math changes if if it's seven and a half minus 115 so you're having to buy 7 at 1 tw- minus 125 the math then does not make sense to do that so i would buy the half point if i can get 7 at -120 or better just to to clarify that
0: okay now that's important because this is again this is not just like winning the bet it's bankroll management and being consistent and yep. having the right view of things and process matters in this kind of thing so keep that in mind and again i, I do think tshu as we continue to do this pod we will get like a little more specific about stuff, right? Especially yep. in the state of Ohio when people are going to be able to look at it because there, there is a little bit of a frustration. And I know there's a lot of people that listen who aren't in the state of Ohio. But sometimes I will try to go reference something on my phone with a sports betting app just to check a line or want to do something and sometimes you run into a thing where it's like oh your state doesn't allow betting you can't even look at the numbers yet you can't do the the calculator you can't check a parlay number sometimes and yep. so once you once your state has it legal even if you aren't betting, I think those a sports betting app. Now this is now this is just like, oh, just give them a little taste. Just get on the app and punch in some numbers. You don't even have to spend any money. I'm not real I'm not trying to push anybody into gamble. But there's different ways you can just use some easy calculators to look at numbers and get used to that kind of thing where minus one ten, minus one twenty are you you know, should you buy the half point or not? Is this par? Does this parlay make sense? Oh, I put this bet plus this bet. Now it's plus three eighty six, and I like that. Um, it it can be a little harder to do that if you're not in a state that has legalized sports betting. in January one, it's going to be a little easier for everybody in Ohio. Yeah, and that, and
1: that'll be that'll be great to get you know more kind of real time feedback from people that you know as as questions come up as they're on their apps and playing around with it you know I'm sure they're going to have questions and and
0: you know we'll we'll be here to try to answer those. All right, so the Peach Bowl, Ohio State, a six and a half point underdog. It's so What I saw is the open. Is that still what you're seeing? At last glance, that's what I'm seeing. Is that the right number at the moment? What do you think of six and a half? So. As high
1: as my numbers have been on Michigan relative to the oddsmakers, my numbers have been a little bit lower on Georgia, and that's reflected here. So I understand why the line is what it is. I make the line one and a half. But again, we've talked about like my recent formula. The recent formula would be Georgia minus six. So that just tells me that the oddsmakers are really weighing these recent games for Georgia and Ohio State more than the full body of work, which is what my numbers do, because I've just found that to be a more accurate, uh, formula to use. Um, the interesting thing here with this line is it opened six and a half. It did touch seven at some places before quickly kind of going back to six and a half. And I actually saw a couple of sharp books circa in particular, which I consider a sharp book. They take a lot of sharp action. They were actually at six at one point, you know, despite, mm. I mean, we're at 88 90 percent of the bets and 89 90 percent of the money on Georgia uh and that's on like a few thousand bets already uh, that have been tracked through the action network so despite that we still saw some sharp books going the other way so that that is kind of interesting and something to to keep an eye on here
0: would you if you were a person who wanted to bet on Ohio State would you try to hang and wait it's a little bit like doing anything like we're my family and I were maybe thinking about planning the trip a little ways out, and we're thinking about buying airline tickets. And it's like you can set up a thing like, "Well, here's the cost now, but I want to wait and I want to get a notice if the airline tickets go down." Can you set up a notice on a line change? Is that a Google alert for a line change? Are there you, any sites that you go to where you can like have have something pop up?
1: You yeah, on on the Action Network app, you can set um, line line move alerts, and it will let you know. Um, and I, I do I do use that. I think the quicker way, because I think sometimes there's a little bit of a delay there. The better way to do that is to follow me on Twitter, honestly, because I like all day long, I stay with an odd screen pulled up so I can see as because the sharp books, how the lines move is like the sharp books will move because they take sharp action. And then like FanDuel and DraftKings and more of the recreational books just kind of follow suit. They're not they're not really operating on sharp action for the most part. So they're, they're mostly just following along what the sharp books do. And a lot of times there's hours of delay between when the sharp books move and when the recreational books move. So I'm constantly monitoring where the sharp books are. And that'll kind of give me an idea of where the lines
0: might be headed. The thing I'm asking about here is, do you think there's a possibility this line could get to Ohio State plus seven? And if you want to be an Ohio State better, is it worth hanging out for the next couple weeks and waiting to see if you can get that full touchdown and be on a a major number.
1: Based on what I saw early this week, I wouldn't count on it because I mean, like I said, there's already been a ton of Georgia money. So I think if it was going to be at seven for any considerable time, it would have been by now. And it it touched seven very briefly, like for a matter of a couple of hours and then went back to six and a half. Uh, I, I was actually my my neighbor bookie that I've I've mentioned before he's actually a diehard Georgia fan, and he he told me that he's already bet the Ohio State money line and he thinks Ohio State's going to win by ten points and he said that he thinks the line's going to close like four and a half five and I I could I could see that I, I I think maybe this line closes closer to like five five and a half so if you want Ohio State I don't see a problem with pulling the trigger now like we talked about buying the half point and getting the seven and just locking it in now, because I don't know that it's necessarily going to be there closer
0: to game time. Okay. That's good to know. Cause sometimes you want to wait and sometimes you don't want to wait. And for Ohio yep. state betters, this might be, this could be a don't wait on this situation. Let's talk about national championship odds. Then. This is something we talked about last week and the idea that Ohio State was like a two and a half to one to win the national title before the Michigan game behind only Georgia lose to Michigan goes as high as 50 to one and then some sharp bettors. And this is why the sharp start hitting it 50 to one goes down to 40 to one 30 to one gets down to about 14 to one as low as 10 to one. But now here we sit tissue now they're in because you were betting money on a team to win the national title that might not make the playoff. You were betting on USC losing. USC loses. Ohio State is now plus 354, which is three and a half to one. So there are people out in the world who have a substantial bet on Ohio State to win the national championship at 50 or 40 to one. So those people might be going to Disney World. I don't know. I don't know. I'm assuming I am in my head, everybody that bets thousands and thousands of dollars on sports. And is a sharp better is just trying to stay at a nicer Disney World hotel. It's like we're gonna go anyway. But if daddy wins this better, if mommy wins this bet, then we can stay in the nicer hotel. Maybe that's just me. I am definitely not a sharp better. But at this moment, Georgia minus 133, national championship favorite, Michigan plus 296, Ohio State plus 354, TCU plus 1680. So just again as a reminder to make this easy for people. I don't want to assume things, but I also don't want to spoon feed you. If you make a $10 bet, right? You think I made a $10 bet. And then once you make the bet, it's gone, right? It's gone forever. Just think it's gone. You set a $10 bill on fire. So now what might come back to you? If you bet $10 on Georgia, you would get $17.52 back because you'd get your $10 plus your winning $7.52 if they're minus 133. But really think about winning $17.52 because, again, gambling really is setting money on fire. $17.52 for Georgia. Michigan, you'd get $39.60 back on a $10 bet. Ohio State, you'd get $45.40 back on a $10 bet. And TCU, you get back $178 on a $10 bet. Those numbers, tissue. Georgia as that much of an odds on favorite. Michigan, Slightly ahead of Ohio State. What do you think of those national championship odds? I think again, like we like we talked about last week. I personally could not pull the trigger. I, I
1: I said last week I couldn't even pull the trigger on ten to one, knowing that it was just at fifty to one. I definitely don't think I could pull the trigger now at at three and a half to one. But of the four options that you have, like if you're just now kind of getting into the game and and you want to to place a national championship bet. Honestly, I do think Ohio State probably is, is the best opportunity for return on investment there. Um betting on Georgia I, I think is just kind of pointless. I, I don't know why you would bet an odds on favorite at, at this point. Um and then, you know, Michigan, I know they beat Ohio State, but I mean, as I've talked about and uh I, I've seen some tweets from some bookmakers saying, you know, that they would have Ohio State favorite over Michigan if they were to rematch. So I, I think I think Ohio State really is is the best option. I know TCU obviously has the the longest odds, so your payday is potentially bigger, but I just think it's virtually
0: impossible for them to beat Michigan and then beat the winner of Ohio State, George. I just just don't see that happening. And I know there's math involved in this, but again, if you want to be an Ohio State better, would you like trying to buy the half a point to get to seven in the individual game? With Georgia, or would you just say just bet the national championship odds for ten bucks, and if you win, you're going to win, you know, forty five bucks. Now you're it's like almost more like a parlay, right? Like yeah. is that does that make sense or not make sense to bet the national championship versus the game?
1: That's a good point. I think what I would do is if you think Ohio State's going to win the national championship, or if you like those odds, I mean, you could bet. I think the the money line odds against Georgia are like plus 230 something in that neighborhood. I would just bet the money line against Georgia and then if you win that, you can roll that into you know whoever they play in the national championship and they're going to be favored in the national championship if the, if they win this game regardless of who wins the other game. So then then you make a decision of like okay, do I want to bet Ohio State money line with them as a favorite? Do I want to lay the points? Like we can have that conversation at that point, but it would at least give you the option to to roll it into the national championship because um, I mean two and a half uh, or plus two thirty against Georgia and what would you say plus three thirty national championship three, I mean three
0: fifty four yeah
1: yeah I mean I, I think I would just bet the the money line against Georgia and then keep my options okay. open for the national championship
0: okay. That's good to think about, again, because it's fun. I mean, futures bets are fun, right? Everybody loves yep. futures bets. I want to. I want this thing because you feel like you're getting more bang for the buck. It's like, oh, I made a bet. I made a $10 bet, and I'm not going to find out potentially if I'm right or not for like 31 days. That's only like 33 cents a day on my bet. Oh, I'm going to have all this fun. This, this is how I do things. It's like, oh, if I bet $2 on a team to win the World Series, that's like point Zero six cents a day for the whole season of enjoyment to see if you might win sixty two dollars because you picked the right team to win the World Series. So maybe if you want that long term enjoyment for less than a penny, great. But if not, the actual the math might lead you here to the Ohio State money line, which actually sounds like a pretty smart idea to me. Okay, that's looking at what's actually happening. We're gonna now get a little bit into T power numbers. A couple things I looked up as we break down. Ohio State and Georgia from a numbers perspective. We'll get into that next on Betting the Buckeyes on Buckeye Talk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now
1: and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
0: That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as um, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We're back. Doug LaMaurice and Tyler Shoemaker. You can follow him on Twitter at BuckeyeTie23. My shorthand in talking about this game, because we thought we might get it last year, Tyler is Georgia's not quite as good. Ohio State's a little bit better. And I'm not saying that Ohio State's offense is better, but I think they are substantially improved defensively in a way that just makes them more competitive. And Georgia is still excellent and the best team in the country, but they just lost a bunch of NFL dudes off that defense. And there's actually a couple other things with some of the numbers I looked at. That's my anecdotal, here's my... 10 second breakdown of this matchup. What do your numbers say about that idea that maybe Ohio state's a little bit better than last year and Georgia's not quite as good and comparing this matchup to what we didn't get last year.
1: Yeah, th- this is an interesting topic, especially when you consider kind of the rhetoric around kind of with the fan base, you know, around going into this playoff and versus the rhetoric all year last year it was like, Oh, we, we got to see Ohio state, Georgia, you know, all year last year. Like we, we want to see this offense versus that defense and now people seem less confident, but Georgia's actually from a power rating standpoint, Georgia is three and a half points worse this year, and Ohio State is a point and a half better so that's a five point difference in Ohio State's favor this year versus last year, but for whatever reason, people felt more confident in it in that potential matchup last year
0: yeah it's it's a little there's a lot of emotional things happening. I don't know if you've heard Tyler. <laughs> There's some emotional things happening in the Ohio State fan base, and, and understandably so, which is why we kind of want to look at this game from a numbers standpoint, just to say, we're just going to we're gonna take the emotions out of it for a moment and just look at a couple different things. EPA, right, which is expected points added per game, per play, both sides of the ball. It's just a, an efficiency shorthand, which is just a nice way to compare teams that's it's a better look than yards per game or points per game because this kind of thing and all, like all the things you do takes opponent into into account and that kind of thing. EPA overall for the team in the nation, Ohio State one, Georgia three. Okay, pretty close. Offensively, Ohio State four, Georgia nine. Oh, okay. Georgia's defense. Uh, Georgia's offense is nine. That's top ten offense. That's Bennett, how you doing, brother? Right. Oh, top ten offense. Defensively, Georgia eight. Ohio State, 11. What? There's only a three-spot three gap between Georgia and Ohio State. Georgia's not number one. I can't believe this. So, you know, it's just a, just a number. Defensively, <clears throat> rushing defense, Georgia's one. Passing defense, Georgia's 23. Rushing defense, Ohio State is 11, and they are also 11 in passing defense. So, again, like all the problems that we've seen and you saw it in the Michigan game, oh, this Ohio State pass defense – they are ranked 11. Georgia's 23. And then offensively, throwing the ball, the, the big issue offensively is George's run game, which, again, some of the eye test stuff doesn't match the numbers on some of this. Ohio State's run game is seventh nationally in EPA. George's is 67th, and that doesn't seem right based on how we view the Ohio State run game. Pass game, Ohio State four, Georgia five. So, like Stetson Bennett's right there with CJ Stroud, right? And you look at, you think about this, but they are very different passing games, right? But in the end, this is the kind of thing, Tyler, that numbers will tell us this sometimes. The view of the entire college football world is Georgia's the, the best team, and then everybody else is chasing them. EPA has Ohio State one, Georgia three. When you just, is that just how the numbers work sometimes? That sometimes the numbers are not quite in line with the anecdotal eye test. Season-long story perception of fans.
1: Yeah, certainly. I mean, for all of the hand wringing about the Ohio State offense, <laughs> I've still got them as the as the number one offense in the country over Tennessee by almost a full point. So, you know, sometimes we do get caught up in certain moments or even certain games, just kind of stick out in our head in a negative way. But when you look at the full body of work, uh, sometimes the the numbers can help kind of talk you off the off the
0: ledge a little bit. So your power ratings right now, this year, Ohio State and Georgia, how do you have them? How do you break them down with what your numbers tell you? So
1: this is why I'm, I'm really excited about this game is because in my power ratings, this is number one versus number two, and it's the number one offense versus the number one defense. So I'm, I'm really excited, obviously, as an Ohio State fan, but just as a numbers guy that has put this together all season to see my top two overall teams and my top offense versus the top defense going
0: head to head. That that's really exciting. So that Georgia defense, I do think, right. You know, you look at EPN, it's like, what, they're eighth defensively. That, that does not seem right to me. And there's things that factor into that. But I do think when you start comparing Georgia versus itself, which is the kind of thing that we do on Buckeye talk with Ohio state all year, It's like, oh, how good is Ohio State? I don't know. Compare Ohio State to itself. Compare Ohio State to the standard it has set. It's a very good team, but is it matching its own standard? Just a couple things on the Georgia defense. Last year, the passer rating, according to CFB stats, and different places do passer rating in different ways. A year ago, the passer rating that Georgia's defense allowed was 103.4, which is very good. This year, it's 111.9. So passers... opposing quarterbacks are eight and a half points more efficient against Georgia this year. Last year, tackles for loss per game. Last year, Georgia had 6.7 per game. This year, Georgia has 5.8. So I think like a little less explosive defensively, right? It doesn't mean that they're terrible, but just a little something. Yards per attempt allowed by the Georgia defense. Last year, 5.6. This year, 6.2, which is kind of the same thing as the passer rating, but they're giving up a little bit more in the pass game. Rushing yards per carry allowed, 2.56 yards per carry last year, 2.93 yards per carry this year, right? So they're they're just giving up a little bit more defensively in, in almost every area, Tyler. And I do think we have a picture from afar, right? The Georgia, we says, I'll go. You, know, you saw it in the draft, reinforced everything. Just like everything about the NFL draft reinforced 2014 Ohio State when they had the 2016 NFL draft. It was like, yep, yep, yep. Talent, talent, talent. We got that right away with the draft last year with Georgia. But the but the defense is just, it's still excellent. It's still your number one defense, but it's a little softer number one. I I, I think that's I think that's eye test true and I think it's I think it's numbers true for the Georgia D.
1: Yeah, no I I agree with with all of that. They're very good, but they're not unbeatable. You know, last year just felt like until Alabama did it in the SEC Championship, like it just felt like that defense was unbeatable. This does not feel like that. It just feels like a really good defense, but they're not, you know, a, a super team by any means.
0: So just to compare now to the Ohio State defense, because that's the game we're getting, Georgia is, a, again, in, in passer rating, Georgia gives up a 111.9, that's 11th in the country. Ohio State, 124.9, that's 41. So Georgia defense, the pass defense, is still better than Ohio State's. Georgia this year, 11 touchdown passes, 10 interceptions allowed. Ohio State, 16 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Again, this is what the defense is doing. The offensive side of the ball, I am, it is interesting Plays of 20 yards or more, right? Some version of explosive plays, right? 20 yards or more. Georgia has 78 this year. That's in 13 games. Ohio State has 76. That's in 12 games. So Ohio State's a little bit more per game, but like very comparable there. Georgia has 25 explosive run plays, 53 pass plays. Ohio State has 20 explosive run plays, 56 pass plays. So we'll actually teach you from that standpoint It's pretty comparable. Um, The other thing, now when you get bigger picture, and this is the thing that I think is, we have to realize Georgia does throw the ball. Stetson Bennett, whether or not you think it should be a Heisman candidate, they do chuck it around a little bit. But they are much more efficient, not big play. Last year, Georgia's offense, 40 plus yard pass plays for the year. Last year, they had 12 and 15 games. This year, they have five in 13 games. So they only have five. Ohio State has 14. Ohio State last year had 17. So they, have, they only have five passing plays of 40 yards or more this year, which is not a lot. And when you look at who they throw the ball to, again, there's a little bit step back. Last year, 9.3 yards per attempt for Georgia. This year, 8.6. So a little bit of a step back the explosive pass game, their quarterback rating also slightly down from a year ago. Georgia, they throw 52% of their passes to wide receivers, which means they throw 48% of their passes to tight ends and running backs. Ohio State throws 77% of its passes to wide receivers. They throw 23% to tight ends and running backs. So this is Brock Bowers. This is guys out of the backfield. This is how Georgia attacks. They do throw. Run pass, and again, as, as a, some textures have pointed out when I did this with Ohio State during the year, the breakdown of how often you pass and how often you run, you get a lead, you run the ball a lot late. That can throw it off, but this is just a shorthand to compare these two teams because they both had leads and both were running out the clock in fourth quarters. sometimes. Georgia throws it 47%, runs it 53%. Ohio State throws it 46%, runs it 54%. So Ohio State actually throws it slightly less than Georgia. So Georgia is going to come and throw the ball on Ohio State, but they're going to throw the ball to tight ends. They're going to not potentially tissue. They're not going to be the kind of team that maybe can hit Ohio State deep the way Michigan did, although that was on broken plays. And by the way, Michigan only has 10 explosive pass plays this year of 40 yards or more. Three were against Ohio State. Seven were in the other 12 games combined, right? So I do think there are some comparisons between Michigan and Georgia, but I think the shorthand is defensively, Georgia, a little less explosive, not as many tackles for loss, not going to get after you, going to give up some stuff in the pass game. I think their talent on the back end they lost a really good safety to draft, but I think like their corners are more reliable this year. Potentially the talent is better, but they still, they're giving up. They still give it up in the pass game a little bit. And then they will throw it just like Ohio state, but they don't, they're not throwing it to Marvin Harrison jr. They're throwing it to Brock Bowers and lad McConkey and the running back. So Stetson Bennett's going to try to be efficient. They're not like a grinded out run game necessarily like Michigan was, but I don't know t Like if you're lining up the things, A pass game that is not naturally filled with explosive guys seems like a good thing for Ohio State, right? Like, I don't know. Given what we saw against Michigan, that maybe seems like a little bit of a plus. I don't know that George is going to be hitting 50 yarders on Ohio State all day. I mean, you would
1: think, but I kind of felt that way going into the Michigan game, and then I watched Cornelius Johnson look like Randy Moss. So, you know, hopefully... One would think that you know it's like you get one of those games. It's like okay, you you got caught off guard, whatever. Like I don't know if Jim Knowles just called a bad game or, or what happened, but you get one of those. You can't do that again. And I I think I'm gonna give the benefit of the doubt to Ryan Day and Jim Knowles here to like not completely just crap the bed again as far as how they call the how he's calling the defense and. You know, the, we, we've talked a lot about like the, the zero blitz on the third down and just, just putting yourself in a bad position against a team that has not shown you they can be explosive, you know, even if you're trying to take that away. So I, I expect them to come out with a much better game plan. And to your point, Georgia's not not going to take advantage of a good game plan just because they're just so great offensively. I, I don't think that's the case. You know, I think I think they're going to, you know, March, if they are going to score, it's going to be Marches. It's not going to be 50-yard bombs.
0: I do, I do think there's a decent number of comparisons potentially between Georgia and Michigan. I think like being very well coached, I think is part of it. Not potentially naturally explosive, but the way Michigan would sort of grind it out in the run game on you when they kind of do what they do. I think, I think Georgia can do that to you with like an efficient pass game with Brock Bowers and the way they throw the ball. And then again, if Ohio State has breakdowns, but Ohio State, both against Michigan and against Georgia, should be the more explosive team. The idea that that's how Ohio State lost was like by having Michigan out-explode them. That is not the blueprint for either a rematch with Michigan or this Georgia game for Ohio State. So if you limit those big plays for an opponent who it's not a natural part of their game plan, then Ohio State takes its shot, right? Then I think the numbers, everything that we're talking about with what the line is, with which way the line might move, with what your power ratings are telling you, number one offense versus number one defense, the two best teams, all those things. If you take out the team that's not naturally explosive offensively, don't let them be explosive. That I'm not saying you're down to a toss-up then, Tyler, but you're down to a game that Ohio State, by the numbers and by your power ratings, should absolutely be in right? That's the thing yep. that I think is a, is a, what the numbers would certainly tell us.
1: Yeah. It, I mean, and you, I do think there are a lot of parallels between Georgia and Michigan. And if you think back to the, the Michigan game, like if it's not for Ohio state, literally just like falling down on the field and, and sending nine guys to, to blitz, like just self-imposed things that you don't need to do that just allowed Michigan to, I mean, sure. JJ McCarthy, like completed those passes and and great but like you didn't make him actually beat you you just gave him wide open receivers that he could just play catch with and I, you know I think Stetson Bennett's kind of of that vein too so if you're not just letting him play catch with wide open receivers because you did something dumb I I think Ohio State absolutely should be in this game
0: the the the, the impression that I've gotten since the Ohio State Michigan game is that Ohio State wants to be aggressive on both sides of the ball and it's interesting like that's what they I think that's what they feel like they are. And it's interesting that I think the way a lot of people out here are viewing it is they were too aggressive defensively and not aggressive enough offensively. And so it's like, okay, well, I don't think they're backing off their idea of they want to be aggressive. So I do think that the hard part of it is, right, it's one of those things. If you sit back and you don't ever go after J.J. McCarthy, or if they sit back and they don't ever go after Stetson Bennett and they pick you apart, then it's going to be like, why didn't you go after these guys? But both with McCarthy and Bennett, I would rather make them prove it. Don't make it easy on them. And I do think the game plan that we saw that Ohio State very effectively limited Michael Mayer, who I was looking at at least one All-American team, was the first team tight end and Brock Bowers was second. I think Brock Bowers is better. I think Brock Bowers is more explosive than Michael Mayer. I think they are the two best tight ends in college football, although Dalton Kincaid at Utah is a gamer. Ooh, mama, that guy's good. He was awesome last week. You know, and by the way, the Michigan tight ends can get after a little bit too. Those guys are some playmakers. So, you know, there are just a lot of schools. That's how they go after that. That tight end can be the most dangerous guy. But they did a great job on Michael Mayer in the opener by just playing smart, by making sure they had guys surrounding him. They didn't put guys, they didn't wind up just like Cam Brown wound up on Cornelius Johnson by himself. They didn't make people do things by themselves against Michael Mayer. They were constantly surrounding him. If they can surround Brock Bowers... Don't be overly aggressive. If you want to be aggressive, great. But just make Stetson Bennett beat you legitimately and then find ways to take your shots against a pass defense for Georgia that numerically, again, is 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 a little bit down from a year ago. I, I do think this would be a time where the initial perception, I think maybe for a lot of Ohio State fans is I don't know how they're going to do this. Then the numbers, like, I think your numbers are very valuable here. I think let the numbers be a guide, right? And you would say that always, but I'm sure there might be times where the numbers are telling you one thing and in your gut, you're saying, man, I guess I'll go with this, but I'm not sure about it. And sometimes you say, right, well, if I don't feel good about the numbers, it's a stay away. I'm not going to go the opposite, but I might stay away. But this would be, I would maybe tell people, let numbers be the guide here towards a game that is potentially just legitimately very competitive with two teams who are at the, the top of college football.
1: Yeah. And a couple of thoughts that, that popped in my head as you were talking there. One, in Ohio State's – or at least two of the three biggest games, Notre Dame and Michigan, of the four biggest plays they gave up, they put themselves – it like they handed those plays to the other team. Like you think of the very first play against Notre Dame – Jim Nose calls a corner blitz and then Lorenzo Styles runs for 60 yards. You know, they held him to a field goal, but and then and then the Michigan game. Like, I think they just have to I understand they want to be aggressive, but I think they kind of just have to get out of their own way. Like, make Tyler Buckner beat you, make JJ McCarthy beat you, make Stetson Bennett beat you. I, I think that's the recipe defensively. And then offensively, they just they've got to go back to being who we perceive them to be, which is this like chuck it around, take your shots, and make them guard you're excellent receivers. I I,
0: I think that's the the recipe. They got to be, and George is going to try to take that away. Right. But you could see it like that sideline shot to Marvin Harrison was like, that's it. That's it. That, that route down the seam to Mecca Buka to keep them in the game late and, and get them down in the red zone and keep, and get it back to a one score game. Like that's it. That's it. Like versions of that. And that's what George is going to try to take away. But this, this is a naturally explosive Ohio State offense. And I do think, and now we're not going to get into a film discussion because I'm going to, I have not started that part of it, but just watching the Georgia Tennessee game the first time around, there were some shots I think that Tennessee had early in that game and missed that changed the complexion of that game. So I think Ohio State has to come out and take some of those shots and then CJ's got to hit them. And I, and I do think like Hendon Hooker, people are mad that Hendon Hooker didn't get to New York, and I, and I do think there's a very compelling case. Shahanja Haraja and I, ah, uh, on the Apple Podcast bonus episode this week, we ran through we we put 13 guys in our Heisman pool that were like these were all 13 legitimate guys that you could absolutely legitimately vote for, and of course Hendon Hooker's in there, and and he probably deserves to be in New York, but I thought he missed a couple shots in that game, but then he does other things, right? CJ, that's what he does. He hits those, and he's not going to do the things that Hooker does, escaping and running and that kind of thing. But I think Georgia might give you a shot at those tissue, right? I mean, I think I yep. think they might give they might have an opening there, and if you can hit them early, you change the complexion of how they defend you, and then all of a sudden you loosen up the run game. And if the Ohio State running backs are healthy, but I think if CJ hits a couple shots, they've got to take them. But Tennessee didn't hit them, and that changed it. I think Ohio State's more equipped to hit shots like that, even though those are the two best passing offenses in the country.
1: Yeah, I think you bring up a point that I that I wanted to make, and that's in a lot of or pretty much all of Georgia's games, like they jump out so early on teams either with a turnover or a, you know, a defensive score, or whatever they they jump out so quick that it then allows their defense to play more coverage and just let their pass rushers get after it because they're playing with a lead. If Ohio State and I mean you can say this for for any game but it's defi- it definitely applies here more so if Ohio State can can get a lead, score the first touchdown and make Georgia actually play an even game and not be playing from up 14 nothing. I mean like the like think of the SEC championship last week. They block that field goal, runner back for a touchdown. And they, I mean, it's over. It's over from there because you playing from behind against Georgia is the recipe to for a disaster. So you've got to to start, start fast and, and play well early.
0: You know what you got me thinking about now when you're talking about starting fast? Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> first quarter over.
1: <laughs> I, I haven't I haven't looked at that yet, but I, I'm sure we will. I'm sure we'll revisit that.
0: All I want for Christmas is a first quarter over, a first quarter. So when we come back, we're going to talk about what we did this year. The Ohio State bets, the best bets, the Power Five conference bets. How did we do? Because that part of the betting season is over. We'll do that next on Betting the Buckeyes. All right, Tishu, I'm going to make you give up the number you don't want to give up first. And we'll do that because this is what you were forced to do. This is not normal gambling things. There is not a person who normally comes into your house and shoves a microphone in your face and says, Pick a Pac-12 game. That's not how betting typically works. But that's how podcasting about betting works. So we each made five power conference picks all year. I went 29 and 36 in those 65 games i'm actually moderately happy with that i was above 500 uh the last five weeks i was one game over so uh, i had three one and four weeks that killed me i never had a four in one week i never had a five and no week the best i ever did was three and two um but i first time around is i don't know only seven games under I'm o- I'm okay with. I'm 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 is that I don't know. Are are people normally okay with losing money tissue in your experiences?
1: Well, I think they're more okay with losing that much money compared to what you would have lost if you tailed my conference picks because I went 24 39 and 2 which is 38%, which is just like that, that's a fireable offense, I think.
0: But but again, you were kidnapped. You were forced, you were held hostage and forced to make I don't want to make a Big 12 pick this week. Don't make me make a Texas tech make your Texas tech pick T shoe. I said make it. So that is that is not the real T The real T shoe is in the weeds. The real T shoe is best bets. The real T shoe is the Ohio State bet of the week that we did. So 38%, you're gonna come back strong next year, but like that's not what this is really all about. Yeah. The best bets, when it was like you've got the whole world out there, how did those go this year? Uh,
1: 24 and 16 for 60%. So if you, if you, if you only played my best bets, like you, you're up, uh, a, a substantial amount this year.
0: Yeah. So that, like, and, and I know you always talk about like, right. 54, 55% is really good. Yeah. Best bets is saying I'm the most confident here. Um, 60%, like it sort of any cohort, right? Whatever you call it, you call it worst bets. You could call it eh, mediocre bets, but like 60% on the stuff, like, right. That's you'll yeah, take that, that, right? Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that's awesome. I, it, it,
1: for a, for a season long, I mean a season in the grand scheme of things, it's a small sample, but I mean, to be 60% on the season is great. Uh, You know, I've, I've have my record since 2019 in my bio. I tweeted out. I'm like, I'm like right at 55% uh, since, since the start of the 2019 season. So, I mean, it, it continues to to bear itself out that that my numbers
0: are, you know, reliable in in the long run. And again, like best bets, those are typically like, well, these are the things that I would bet. This is yep. why I would why I would pick T-Shoe's real money on. When I was like holding you and tying your hands behind your back with rope and demanding a Wake Forest bet, you were not then running out on your to your to your neighborhood bookie and being like, Doug said I have to bet Wake Forest. You came on here and you said it cuz it's fun and it's interesting and it's what you thought but that's not the the strongest you felt about stuff. No offense to yeah. Wake
1: Forest. Yeah, I mean like we talked about with with our conference picks, we we tried our best to hit on, you know, more of the marquee games in those conferences every week which they're marquee for a reason. More people watch them, more people bet them, the lines are a little bit sharper. Uh so this isn't unexpected. It just kind of sucks to see it like in writing there that it's thirty eight percent, but not not totally un- unexpected, just given the the magnitude of all the games that we picked.
0: All right, you also gave us an upset special every week, and people like that because that's where you're betting a money line, and you're getting usually at least two to one odds on that. How did those go? Yeah, so we were five and eight on
1: those, which like on the surface sounds bad, but when you when you do the math of like we're betting two to one or three to one underdogs every week, that's actually a profitable season. So again, losing a record on those, but because they're such long shot underdogs, we actually, you actually made money if you bet those every week.
0: Yeah. And that's fun. Like that, that's like, I think people, you get excited about that kind of thing. So I thought that was really good. Yeah. And I think people understand that, right? If you're getting like double, you know, more than double your money, you know, two to one, three to one, it's like, yeah, yeah well, you can lose more than you win because you win, you win a lot. So that was good. And then, the idea that, that we did you 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 zeroed in on this Ohio State first quarter total and going over that all year, we did it. If you want to bet on the Buckeyes, here's what we suggest. What was that record on the Ohio State bets this year? Oh, we went eight two and one, which is eighty percent. So like that that's just absurd. So like what what do you had you had something like that kind of happen before, where there was a particular style of bet that you feel like you really got an edge on and you just wrote it. No, it, that just kind of happened
1: magically. And we liked it and we wrote it and it, it worked out. I mean, we, uh, which was it the Maryland game that, that pushed there towards the end of the season. That was that the one that, I think that pushed, really, but yeah, yeah. I mean, that was, that was just money all, all season. I mean, I definitely like disclaimer. I don't expect to hit 80% of those next year, but if the odds don't catch up, then, then maybe we'll see.
0: Yeah, that could be that could be a real edge, and I hope if you guys listen, you know anybody who was using this podcast to then go make some bets, I hope you got on the ride, man. I hope you rode the Ohio State over on that first quarter total again eight two and one. That's only eleven games. Ohio State played twelve games. t Shu knocked him out with the flu, but when you have the flu, you can't be wrong. That's and thankfully,
1: wasn't that uh, wasn't that Northwestern week? So thankfully, because we oh, yeah. definitely we definitely would not have <laughs> hit a first quarter over there. So uh, picked a good week to be to be sick, I think.
0: Yeah. So, so in the end, um, pretty darn good on the stuff where T-Shoe is really getting after it. So, we hope you guys uh, enjoyed hearing that information, learning, maybe putting a little couple nickels on that if you liked it. Here, we usually do a tidbit and we'll wrap up with this and then we'll get to our bowl picks a week from now. But, T-Shoe, here's the thing that I've been thinking about. And this is just psychology: this is just Doug and his gambling therapist, Tyler Shoemaker. <laughs> There is, and I'm—I was talking to CJ Stroud a couple weeks ago, and there's still a story on CJ that I'm still finishing. It's taking me forever to finish. And he was talking about that he is the kind of person that likes to figure things out himself. He has that in him at times in football and in life. He has trouble taking advice from people because he wants to be the problem solver. And I related to that, not because I am skilled at anything, but the uh, the the sort of stubbornness. I think with CJ, to me, we were talking about it, it's like again. I always think this. The things that make you – your 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 strengths and your weaknesses, you, the best things about you and your flaws all come from the same place. It's all the same thing. It's just like which way does it tilt in the moment? So that idea of like I don't want help on this. I want to figure it out. It's part of why CJ is great because he gets in there and he figures stuff out on a Monday and then goes out and executes it against an opponent and it helps Ohio State win football games. There's a part of me with gambling tissue that as much as I respect you and I like what you do, as, as much as I might want to pay attention to what other – sharp prognosticators have to say i kind of want to bet what i think and i'm not good at it but i take more joy when i am ever so infrequently correct if it's something i arrived at without too much advice when people plan vacations i don't want to hear what you did on your vacation because i want to plan my own vacation like i don't i'm glad you had a good time but i don't want to hear about the secret thing you found because how did you find it oh you found it on your own well then i'll find it on my own i don't want your vacation advice I'm not amused by it. I don't need you to map out what you did for me. I'm a human. I'm a grown man. I can plan my own vacation. I get pleasure from that, figuring it out myself. And I am worried that that attribute will bankrupt me. What should I do? Should I just listen to smarter people than me and bet on that? How do I shake this? Because January 1st is coming pretty quick, and I'm worried about how dumb and stubborn I am. Buckeye talk.
1: I mean, I think you should probably consult with your wife and based on our interactions on Twitter, I think she's going to tell you to just listen to me or actually she's going to tell you not <laughs> to listen to me and to stop gambling. But but if she did push you into gambling, it would be on my advice. No, it, I'm, I'm cracking up as you're as you're saying that because I am the exact same way. <laughs> Like almost to the point that I'm just like I I don't even want to hear you finish your sentence because I I I just don't care I I'm gonna do my own thing I, I I'm with you we are we are one and the same in that capacity and it's funny because it, it applies to you know kind of my numbers and stuff because when I first started doing this I first started doing it because it's like okay there's FPI and SP plus and all this stuff out there and I'm and I'm like humans are putting this together like sure I could just take that. And like it, it, they're, those are all great systems. They're all very accurate, but I'm like, I can do this. And you know, I, I am constantly refining and and trying to improve the product, but where I'm at today with my numbers arrived out of that exact stubbornness, because it wasn't good enough for me to just like follow SP plus and win bets. Like I want to have my numbers and win bets. Thankfully it's working out, but (laughs) it could have gone awry very, very
0: easily. The problem for me is I want to do what I think, but I don't want to put in the work. <laughs> so that, <laughs> that's the real issue for me. I think the thing that I, that I found, because there have been a couple times again, um, where you've suggested a bet. And I almost, I do think the thing that I would, the advice I would give myself is, you all talk about like, if all three of your numbers match up, that's when you're really going to hit something. I think I maybe would encourage people who face this same thing that we do is to maybe do your own work, come to your own conclusions before you come to betting the Buckeyes in a week. Think, eh, these are maybe these are the five or six games that I kind of really like. And then when you match up with T. Hsu or or follow you on Twitter and look at your ratings, right? you're constantly putting out free information. When what you think matches up with what the smart guy says, then really go there. I do think it's okay like... I, I don't want to ignore your advice. And there were times I was like, oh yeah, you know what? Like, I, I really agree with this. Like it's not just like, oh, he said it. It's like, no, no, no. Like I can think in my own head why he's saying that. I, I can really come around on that. And then that's when I would I would sometimes do it too. And then one time I bet on rice, just because you said bet on rice. But um I do think it's it's maybe good do your own work first and then see where the experts take you and then when you match up go cuz i've 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 yeah. learned that from you of like you're almost double checking yourself all along the way cuz you're not just looking at one thing
1: yeah no i that's even even if we're talking about like my numbers i always encourage people use me as a resource you know if if you want to play my best bets or or whatever that's that's great but in terms of like looking at all my numbers like just because i say my number on whatever game is this like don't that's not gospel. Like I'm, I'm wrong. You're not going to find any projection system or, or anything that's right. hundred percent of the time. So blindly following anything is not really advisable. So yeah, absolutely. What, whatever it is, whether it's just using your gut or if you're a film guy, or if you want to look at my numbers with SP plus and FBI or whatever, like whatever your kind of checks and balance system is to get some sort of consensus. I, I definitely would encourage you to
0: do that and just, just use it as a resource. Okay. That'll do it for this version of betting the Buckeyes. I'm glad we got inside the numbers of Ohio State and Georgia. Certainly Nathan and Steven and I will will get into this matchup even more. We have many weeks ahead of us to do this. We will be in Atlanta to cover this game, but we have two weeks, um, two full weeks before we get there, right? So we have the rest of this week and then two more after that before we get down there. So plenty of time. I'm going to Start watching everything again, both sides. But I really want to watch like all the best games again. I've already watched them, but I want to watch them again for Ohio State, again for Georgia. Look for tendencies. Look for matchups. We'll certainly do that on Buckeye Talk. Read cleveland.com slash OSU. Would love to have you there. We're going to be cranking out a lot of information there. And, of course, if you want to try the text, 614-350-3315. For now, he's Tyler Shoemaker. He's on Twitter at BuckeyeTie23. I'm Doug LaMaurice, and that was betting the Buckeyes on Buckeye Talk.